Hey, welcome to another year of following King Jesus. And um, last week, if you were with us, we spent some time looking in Peter's letter to the early Christians in um, sort of the greater Asia and modern-day Turkey. And, um, and he was encouraging them that, you know, in terms of prioritising your life, um, above everything else, love. Above everything else. You know, at the start of years, at the, as we commence new beginnings, as we think about, oh, I'm going to do things differently now this year than last year. We're in one of those spaces where we do that. And, um, and so uh, what we tend to do is we, we get busy about, oh, okay, I'm going to make this my first priority and I'm going to organise my life and sort out my finances and love my kids better and you know you just list out the list and you know stop looking at my work colleagues with frustration and start looking at them with love all that sort of stuff you know you, you do the list and um but but last week we we just said hey let's let's try and think about this a little bit differently in light of Peter's letter and his letter was hey if you're going to prioritize your life prioritize it the love of God and we, be, we just began to look at that and how one of the wonderful aspects of the love of God is that it covers over and it takes no offence. It chooses, the love of God chooses to um, take no offence but wipe away and cover over the brokenness so that the love of God can come through. And, you know, as we're in that space, today I want to, if you've got your Bible, we're going to open it up to... Um, um, Paul, another one of Paul's letters, but it's to the Philippian church. And um, if, if you want, you, uh, Philippians chapter 3, get it ready on your, on your um, iPads or your, your phones or if you're old school, the actual book. Um, Philippians chapter 3 in a minute. But I want to say welcome to another year following Jesus with wholehearted love. You know, we sang that song. I think there was, there was a real prophetic grace on that song this morning. You are worthy of all of it. <laughs> You're worthy of all of it. Like when we got baptised. Remember your baptism? All of you went under the water. Every bit of you went under the water. You're worthy of it all. Um, and so, you know, as we begin this year, one of the things that we want to try and do is be these people of wholehearted love for God, walking and sensing and seeing his wholehearted love for others, for our church family, for our, the people that come through the Mercy Centre, for our children and grandchildren, for our workmates. We, I just want to welcome you into the wholehearted love of God. And that, that, that may mean that this year you will find that that love of God is probably going to encroach on and sort of press into some of the areas where you have intentionally and I have intentionally kind of kept um, over here to me, to me. Uh, for various reasons, be it pain or the need for control or you name it, whatever. It's just like, I don't think I'm ready to yield that bit, that part, that. And yet, I want to welcome you to the wholehearted love of God who wants to get you, every bit of you, 
this year so that you can walk in every bit of him as you do life this year. I want to say welcome. Welcome to that. That's what you're signing up for if you're hanging around here. Wholehearted love of God for you and through you for others. Welcome to walking and serving God's wholehearted love to see the sick healed. To see people meet Jesus. You know, last year, Nick and I, we had, you know, just the beautiful opportunity to walk with some young adults in, a, in our home and, and introduce them to Jesus as their personal king, saviour and friend. Absolute joy. I, I want to welcome you, you to that experience this year. God's wholehearted love of introducing people to Jesus. And we want to welcome you to sensing his love, his wholehearted love for the poor. For the poor, the broken, the hungry. That's not like the edge of God. That's not like the, the outer bits of God. No, 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 that is the heart of God. The wholehearted love of God is for every person. No matter what their social circumstance He's, he's, he is for them. And we want to welcome you into that. We want to welcome you into God's love for Queensland. Now, we already know that, don't we, in <laughs> Queenslanders? He loves us. I'm, I'm sure he does, maybe a little more than those from the south. But nonetheless, he's got something on his heart for Queensland. He's got something on his heart for the Moreton Bay region that only the Moreton Bay region can fulfill in bringing forward the wholehearted love of God. I want to welcome you into that. We can't, we can't expect the wholehearted love of God for Brisbane City to do what the Moreton Bay City has been asked to do. No, 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 we're not looking to the grace that's on them. We're looking to the grace that God has for the Moreton Bay region. The Moreton Bay now, it's now a city. Did you know we're now a city? We've been upgraded. I think that means our rates will go up. But anyway, we've been upgraded. We're now a city. It's kind of like we grew up. <laughs> it's like we grew up. But anyway, we're a city now. But God has a wholehearted agenda for us here in this city. That's why he's planted each and every one of you in this city and if maybe you might even be living outside the Moreton Bay region, but he's asked you to be a part of the worshipping life that's taking on place inside the Moreton Bay city. I just want to welcome you to the wholehearted reality of all of that. God is going to grip each and every one of us individually for what he's doing in our personal lives as well as our life together. Now, um, I watched a... Um, one of those Australian episodes of Australian Story. I went back into the archives and was having a bit of a dig around the other week on iView and I picked up this one on, um, some of you might remember him, Ian, uh, Murray Rose, the great Australian swimmer, Murray Rose. Um, he was actually born in England, and then, but in the, in the war, his family relocated to Australia. But... Um, uh, but anyway, Murray Rose, as a young bloke, um, he's sort of fr uh, from the Sydney area, he uh, represented Australia in the 56 Olympics. And as a 17-year-old, he was a, um, 
I think he, I'm trying to remember, he was a six-time Olympic medalist winner at those Olympics. And then he backed it up again um, four years later as a 21-year-old and, and won um, another lot once again. But in watching this episode on the, AB, on the um, Australian story, one of the things that Murray Rose, you know, was, was talking about and, and one of the things that he was, um, as part of his swimming journey, was he said that, you know, one of the things I discovered was that I had to give myself to being 100% present in the moment. Leaving the successes of, you know, the earlier... And even the dreams of what could be, he said, I had to, I, I discovered to be a, you know, a great swimmer. I just had to give myself to being, like, present. Now, if you go and hang out with each other at, at a barbecue or at the pub or in Woolworths and you have a quick conversation with each other in aisle 11, it's usually something like, uh, the conversation is like, someone will go, oh, how are you going? And you'll, you'll automatically flick to a, if you're being asked the question, you'll automatically flick to a, oh, well, this last week, this was great, that was good, da, 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 da. But the question actually pokes at the present, not the past. But we are quick to flick to the past. And then if you're hanging around a barbecue long enough, you'll start to actually um, move from talking about the past, forget being present and talk about what you're hoping for. And, and our conversations are very good in, in those directions. But we, we, the reason why I think we're good in those directions is because we're not really good at being present. We're not really good at being actually given to what's happening in the moment. How, how am I? How, how, how am I actually doing? How is my relationship with and the, and the condition of my soul? How... How is my, my mind, my thought life, my, my choices? But one of the things that he, you know, Murray Rose was going on about was that he'd been, he'd been somehow, like, discovered that to live this fruitful experience of being an Olympic swimmer, he needed to be really present in the moment. And I guess, it, you know, as I was sort of watching that and... On, on telly and then just reflecting on that a little bit at the start of another year, I was just reminding of the invitation that God has for each of us to be present, like, like really present to him and what he's doing in our life right now. Not what he did, not what he's going to do, but what, he, but what he is doing. And that's not to discount what he once did, and that's not to discount the hope of what he will do, but it's to actually put some muscle. You want to see muscle on, on those other ends, you've got to put the muscle on in the middle, which is learning to be present. And that may mean we need to put away some of the distractions in our life. That may mean we need to put away some of the things that we're, we're quickly fleeting to move towards because we, we find it difficult to be, be present. But but Murray learned that, and, and, I, and I think this year, as, as we read in a minute Philippians chapter 3, I think the words of Paul are going to be striking at our hearts, where, where, where Paul is actually kind of one of these, 
he discovered what Murray Rose discovered way after the fact, that actually if you want to do life well, you've got to be very present. And so this year, as the wholehearted love of God is taking, encroaching on our lives in the most wonderful ways, in the most beautiful invitational ways, and setting us free, he's inviting us to be wholeheartedly present to what he's actually doing in our lives right here, right now. So why don't we um, open our Bible? Scott's going to come and read Philippians chapter 3 for us. Thanks, Scott. And I don't have it on the big screen today, so you're going to have to open your own. Cool. As we do so, um, I just wanted to encourage also, I had a word in, in worship, and when Stephen first read that scripture, the first word and the premise of everything he wrote, read after was the word see. And there was a sense of the work of God is not about just what is to come, it's what he's already doing. And, what, and the, the promise of that scripture is, is look, look, see what I've already been doing. And, um, and then I saw a picture of us on a pathway, and I feel like some people here... Um, God said, my activity is like when you're walking the pathway of life, some of us feel like it's like a tree root on the ground that we accidentally trip over. We didn't even see it. We just kind of fall over it and then, oh gosh, there's a tree root there. And God wants to say to you in the seeing and in the things that Kirk's just been talking about is, is that it, the, the activity, the, the walk on the pathway, that, that's, that's God. That, the, everything about that is God. And so see see open our eyes and so I just want to pray that God would bless us to open our eyes and to open our eyes as we read this scripture and not to just trip over the tree root but we would be on the pathway of life with him in all of his kingdom breaking in Philippians 3 verse 1 further my brothers and sisters rejoice in the Lord it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again and it is a safeguard for you Watch out for those dogs, those evildoers, those mutilators of the flesh. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who serve God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. If someone else thinks they have reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regards to the law, a Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. Strap in, everybody. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith." I want to know Christ. Yes, to know the power of his resurrection and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, and so somehow attaining to the resurrection from the dead. Not that I have already obtained all of this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold for that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, 
I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. All of us, then, who are mature should take such a view of things. And if on some point you think differently, that too God will make clear to you. Only let us lead up to what we have already attained. Join together in following in my example, brothers and sisters, and just as you have as a, us as a model, keep your eyes on those who live as we do. For as I have often told you before and now tell you again even with tears, many live as the enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is their destruction, their God is their stomach, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind is set on earthly things, but our citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a saviour from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who, by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control, will transform our lowly bodies so that we will be like his glorious body. Therefore, my brothers and sisters, you whom I love and long for, my joy and crown, stand firm in the Lord in this way, dear friends. Thanks, Scott. Aren't those closing words of that scripture amazing of, of affection from Paul towards him, towards his people, you know, towards the church? He's writing that too, not from a beautiful hillside in a glorious moment of, oh, the sun's coming up and life is awesome. He's writing that from prison. So um, just a little bit of perspective there. But his, you can't hear any bitterness, you can't hear any, but just this warm affection and encouragement for, for the church, for his church. And, and he, and he you know, the church or, or the ecclesia um, is this gathering of people that um, uh, it means the ones that have been called out. It's like, you know, have you ever been in a crowd and someone calls out your name and calls you to the front or to the side or something like that? The, the, the word church or, or ecclesia, the ecclesia, it, it, it literally just means the ones who have been called out. And, and he's so, so you, Paul's saying, hey, you guys have been called out. You've been called out of where you were living. You've been called out of what you were under. You've been called, you've been called out and into Jesus and into his body and into the work of his kingdom. You've been called out. And, and, and it's not by happenstance either of tripping over the, 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 the stuff on the way. It's because God loves us. He's called us out. And so he's writing to the ones who are his joy and his crown. It's like, you guys have been the called out ones. Anyway, let's have a look at this, these key words here from, from Paul. He says there, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus or Jesus Christ has taken a hold of me. You've been called out. You've been gripped by the love of God. Paul's saying, hey, you didn't just stumble into this thing. The intentional purposes of the love of God is he came after you and he found you through his son Jesus and he's called you home to himself and you've been gripped by his goodness and his love and his favour and his divine will that you might have fullness of life as the ecclesia, as his people, as the ones who've been called out to live, live a different story. And that different story is learning to live a life that's been gripped by God. Even more than we have been able to grip God. He's got a good grip over us. 
And he's got a good grip on us as individual followers of Jesus. But Paul says there, I, I want to know, uh, sorry, I want to take hold of that for which Jesus has taken hold of me. So the question is, has, the first question is this, as you're starting another year, has Jesus taken hold of you? Has Jesus taken hold of you? Has he become the saviour of your life, the king and lord of your day and your night? Is, is he the Lord? Has he taken a hold of your life? Or have we kept him at arm's length? What are the bits where the encroaching love of God is going to, you know, already sort of start to press this morning? It's like, I've taken a hold of you. Jesus has taken a hold of you. And he's coming after every bit of you. But have you taken hold of that in response? Have we given God our response? Has he taken hold of you? Has he taken hold of me? It's a, it's a funny little word, and well, actually it's a long Greek one, and I'm not very good at Greek, so I won't even try to say it. But th- those two words, taken hold, Hold. It means apprehended. You ever seen like a a police show on TV where the one who's committed the crime or whatever is on the run, and then then the police just like they just finally like come after them, and then they get them. They apprehend them. I've seen some footage of that stuff. It's it's yeah, interesting stuff. But anyway, they apprehend them. That's what's happened here. It's like, that's the nature of what's taking place here. God is after us, and he is coming after, he's apprehending us with his love. It's like, I've got you now. (laughs) I've got you now, and I'm going to hold you down, lay you down, (laughs) and you're going to learn to receive his love. He's apprehended us. But at the same time, while there's this sense of apprehension by God, the other side of the coin is comprehension by me. Why would you do that, God? Why would you want to apprehend someone like me? Why would you bother? What's what's motivating you, God, to come after me? But Paul's saying here, he, he, he's like, I, I want to press even more intentionally into living this life knowing that God has got a hold of me and I understand why. I think that's our greatest prayer most of the time as followers of Jesus. I don't get it. Why, Lord? You asked me to follow you into this direction. Why is this happening? What's going on in that circumstance? Why is that not shifting? Why does the kingdom seem far away on that one? Or even, why is like some of us this morning were even probably a little, I don't get it, you know, like Tavia's praying for Kirk and she drops this word about William Seymour. And in fact, he was even talking about that in his kitchen last night with his wife. How does that even happen? I don't get that. I don't comprehend that. Do you comprehend Because with comprehension comes power. 
With comprehension comes understanding. With comprehension comes a sense of life and attainment. And Paul's encouraging and inviting every single one of us to be these people who have been gripped by Jesus. And when that comprehension comes, it touches our sense of self. It touches our sense of purpose. It touches our sense of destiny. It gives us new authority and identity. All of this, all of this reality takes place as God apprehends us. But the question is, why have you taken hold of me, Jesus? That's our first question this year. Turn up and ask him. I dare you. I dare you. I dare you to risk asking Jesus that question as this year starts. Because if, if we don't, then this year will just be another hit the repeat, hit the repeat button and we go into auto mode. And we miss, we miss the moment, the presence, that sense of like, he's getting a grip on me right now, right here and now. That's our first question for this year. Why have you taken hold of me, Jesus? I encourage us, turn up, ask that question. You know, Paul says, I want to know Jesus. And we'll get on to that in a minute. But as we go there, did, you, you can hear it in that letter. Jesus is Paul's passion. He's this guy that's living fully alive in the moment to the presence of the living Christ. Even though he's in a circumstance, it's not easy. It's very difficult. It's very trying. And yet somehow he lives with this sense of purpose and authority and love and empowerment in the Holy Spirit. For Paul, for Paul, it's all about Jesus. And it's an interesting, you know, the letter to the Philippians, this is just a little side note there. It's 104 verses long. And in those 104 verses, 51 times, Paul he says, Jesus, Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus, Lord Jesus, Jesus the Lord. It, it's like if you took away all of, you know, redacted everything else in that letter, down to the common word that's in there, the centrality becomes glaringly obvious for Paul. It's all about Jesus. He's been gripped by Jesus. Why have we been gripped? Well, Paul's prayer out of all of that is that he wants to know Jesus. He wants to know Jesus. He wants to understand. He wants to live with understanding. He wants to live with this experiential sense of being one with Jesus. When Jesus moves left, Paul moves left. When Jesus moves right, Jesus moves right. When, it, 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 the, you know, the dance of relationship of Paul underneath the Holy Spirit, this, this, this dance with God. He lets God lead. And yet, um, at the same time, it's like he's one with Jesus. That dancing illustration is a good one. I want to know Jesus. But it also gets a little bit like um, that word no. It's like the language of the bedroom. 
That's the bedroom language of when a man and a wife come together and know each other intimately. It's, it's that. Paul's saying, I have been so gripped by the reality and apprehended by God. I want to know God at the most deepest, profound level in my life. My, my life is consumed. I want to comprehend why God wants to love me the way he loves me. And through the generosity of his son, I want to understand that in the deepest, most intimate parts and in the conversations of who I am. I want to know Jesus. Let me suggest that there's just a few little things here that Paul points to as a way of knowing Jesus this year. Part of the language that I love about this letter is that he's, he's, he's not saying I've arrived. Now, on the one hand, at the start of that bit of scripture that we read, he's like, this guy is like off the charts amazing. It's like if you want to meet a guy that knows everything that there is to know as far as what we think you should know, he's the guy you go and see. He's the guy. He's got the wisdom. He understands the longest story of God, like inside and out, upside, downside, back to front. He knows it. In fact, if you sit him on a panel of people who make that their profession, that their life goal is to know the story and the will and the ways of God back to front, this guy, there's all of those guys and then there's Paul. He's like a cut above. He understands all that. And yet he puts he places himself in this situation of humility where he goes, yet I've still got stuff to know. And it's not, a, it's not necessarily about what I know. It's the who I am, be, I am beginning to know more and more. The relationship with Jesus as Lord. Um, he uses those words in verse 12, not that I have already obtained all this. All I know is God's got a grip on my life. I want to comprehend what that means for my daily life. And I haven't yet got it all together. Anyone else feel like that? <laughs> Hello? I mean, I've been on this journey for a few years now. And that's still my posture. You, you've got a hold of me, Jesus. Why? Why have you got a hold of me? What do you want me to do with that? I, there's more for me to know. Not that I've already obtained everything that there is. I haven't comp fully comprehended, but I want to. That's the posture that Paul has. And that's the posture of invitation from God. He wants to awaken in all of us. I want to... I want to comprehend. I do want to get to understand why it is that God has got a grip on my life. In other words, I haven't arrived. We haven't arrived. You haven't arrived. There's more to know. I'm, I'm on my way there. He talks a little bit later on about pressing on towards the finishing line, the the goal. So he has this sense of there is a marker in point in time where actually 
I will fully comprehend, but I'm not, I'm certainly not there. Are we there? Or do we need to circle back to the first question of the year? Why have you, why have you taken hold of my life, Jesus? That's the first question. It brings us back there. I've still got more to know. So if that's where you are starting this year from, I don't, I haven't arrived. You are in the best place. You are in a wonderful starting place. Because it suggests that you're humble enough to welcome the Lordship of Jesus' leading, to bring you into more of a comprehended relationship and of why he's apprehended you. So the first thing is this. Let's start this year. I'm on my way. I haven't yet arrived, but I am on my way. And the second one is this. He uses that language of, but I press on. I, in other words, he's taking the next step. What, what is the invitation of Jesus to you, to me, to us as his people? What is that next step that he's asking us to take? That, that, that prophetic invitation that came through the worship this morning about, uh, we want to be a people who obey. We want to hear and do. We want to see and partner. We want to, fo- you lead, we follow. Where you go, I will go. You call, I say yes. What's the next step in the conversation that Jesus is having with you in your walk with him? What's the thing that he's saying, hey, would you do this with me? I've been asking you for this for a while. Would you do this with me? What is that next step? That's called pressing on. Just take the next step. That's how we do this, isn't it? You can only take one step at a time. (laughs) So just take the next step. And the third thing I I, want to encourage you in this morning is that he's he's saying there I'm I'm forgetting what's behind and but I'm straining towards what's ahead. In in other words, I'm giving myself over uh, that word straining. <laughs> you have uh, straining sometimes it's 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 not going to come this this maturing thing. It's not going to come without a little bit of resistance. It's not going to come without a little bit of this isn't as easy as I thought. It's not going to come without that sense of, you mean I have to stop thinking like that and learn to think a new way? Yes, that's called repentance. Learning to think a new way, like God does, about life. That's not going to come easily. That means I have to yield, I have to give over, I have to give way. Um, Seeing healing come for people. Sometimes there's a bit of strain that goes on with that. It's like, you mean I have to turn up and pray again? I've already prayed once. Didn't you complete it all at the cross? Haven't you risen victoriously over all of this? And now you're the king of all? Well, yes. Well, why isn't that happening? Well, there's a bit of a 
contest going on between the powers of darkness and the power of the kingdom of God. But I'm calling you into it. And, you know, it'll... I'm calling you into the ways of Jesus and growing up into the path of maturity. I have to learn to, okay, I'm going to leave that frustration here with you and I'm not yet in this other experiential place of having all of that resolved or fully comprehended it, but I'm going to allow the journey of straining towards that for which you've taken hold of me. Get a grip. Get a grip. This year, as we start 2024, it's Paul's prayer for us that we would, we know we haven't arrived, but we're on our way, and we will get there. And it's going to start by just simply taking the next step of obedience unto Christ. And I'm going to do that, and it's going to grow me up, and the growing up will take place in the context of a little bit of strain, of a little bit of giving way to make welcome the new. Wholehearted love of God. Paul said it. I press on to hold. I take the next step to comprehend that for which Jesus, my overwhelming passion, presence, purpose, power and authority in which I do daily life, King Jesus, that I might come into the fullness of all of why he has apprehended me. And that's the invitation at the start of another year with Jesus. Because then we start to live gripped. 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 Let's stand and pray. Here we are, Lord. The whole, your wholehearted love is like encroaching on our life. Yet again, <laughs> you're so faithful and persistent. <laughs> you're so patient and loving. You're so caring. But here we are, Lord, and we hear through the words of Paul the invitation this morning. The invitation. I want my life to be gripped by you, Jesus. I do want to live a life of fruitfulness. I want to live a life of authority and power and purpose that gives life to me and life to everyone around me. I want to live with this sense of comprehension and understanding. I want to live gripped by your love.